you're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled The Global Authentication Project, looking back at 2022 and forward to 2023. The talk features Hannah Bagdazar, the lead investigator on the Global Authentication Project. Hannah discussed the work that GAP members have helped to produce this year and answered questions from our community about how the GAP works. The stage talk was hosted by Giancarlo Fiorella on the Bellingcat Discord server on December 22nd, 2022. Our guest today, who uh, just happens to be one of my colleagues here at Bellingcat, her name is Hannah Bagdazar, and she is the lead investigator uh, for the Global Authentication Project and an investigator in our Justice and Accountability Unit. Before joining Bellingcat, Hannah worked as an analyst at the United Nations. She got her start in open source investigations in 2016 at UC Berkeley's Investigations Lab, and since then... She has spent the last six years working with online open source content in different capacities, including in international criminal investigations. She's been combating disinformation and misinformation within the context of elections and researching the use of open source information as evidence in criminal trials. So we're very lucky to have Hannah with us today. Hannah, welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you for coming. Hi, Giancarlo. Thank you for that great introduction. Um, so I think originally I said that this is going to be uh, like looking at the Global Authentication Project from 2022 and 2020 and looking forward to 2023. But I was thinking that most people probably don't know what the Global Authentication Project is. So I would explain that a bit, kind of go through some uh, uh, frequently asked questions and then get to that 2022 to 2023 um, look. So uh, yeah, the Global Authentication Project is uh, Bellingcat's formalized volunteer community. And what does that mean? Uh, so basically volunteers are recruited, vetted, onboarded, and given structured tasks that fit into our larger investigations. Uh, so we have things like community guidelines, um, a moderator who enforces these, digital and psychosocial security guidelines, um, and then lots of structure basically. So a bit different than uh, kind of our previous uh, volunteer program. So this is really like a, a structured process. Um, and so what does recruitment look like for that? Uh, so usually we have a couple of investigations going on at a time and you would apply directly into the investigation that you're interested in. Uh, and so after you submit an application, it's reviewed by uh, a member of our uh, global authentication project management team, which is uh, Charlotte and I. And we look for specific things per investigation. So maybe one investigation is more geolocation heavy. So we're looking for people with uh, skills in that, or maybe uh, there's a language component. So we're looking for specific language capacities or other open source investigation skills. Um, and something that we always do though is have a couple of places for uh, people who've never done uh, open source investigations or who just show like really great interest but don't necessarily have the the full skills at that uh, moment because it's really a learning uh, process there as well. Uh, something cool is that we aim for gender parity and as diverse of a team as possible for each investigation. And to this point, we've done that. Uh, currently, we have more people who identify as female than male. 
in the Global Authentication Project, which is, uh, yeah, I think very unique in this open source investigation space. Um, anyway, so after selections are made, those who are selective receive information about, about their onboarding, and then we go through the onboarding uh, selection, or the onboarding process. Um, we also try to make a point that if you haven't been selected, you do hear back, uh, because we all know how we hate that when we apply for something and never hear anything. Uh, and then just because you're not selected for one investigation doesn't mean you're not eligible for another one. Uh, so if you're interested in joining the project, keep applying. Uh, a lot of people ask how many hours they need to commit. Uh, it's as many as you want. We're so grateful to have such a vibrant community of people who are willing to donate their time uh, that there's no requirement. Uh, but I'd say on average, people commit maybe five to 10 hours a week. Um, but again, it kind of ebbs and flows with that as well. So some people might do, you know, 40 hours one week and then disappear for a couple of weeks and then come back and do five and then come back and do 10. So it really varies. Um, after a project's finished, uh, we kind of offboard volunteers and they go into our alumni network. So they get kind of first dibs at new investigations, but then also have access to some of the things we do for uh, our current volunteers, like skill sharing sessions and stuff like this. Uh, volunteer projects, we aim to have them be between one and three months. Uh, obviously with some context, this is impossible. For example, one of our biggest projects is the Ukraine project. And so that has actually been going on since February. Um, and yeah, we hope for 2023 that investigations will be released every couple of months. Um, and I think a big question that I get a lot is that I'm in the Bellingcat Discord. How is that different? Uh, so the Bellingcat Discord, as you guys know, you're here, is a, you know, a community that links people who are interested in Bellingcat's work. Uh, and so people collaborate here on your own accord and without direction from Bellingcat staff. Uh, and so Global Authentication Project is really formalized. You have a specific task that you're working on and you get um, feedback on, uh, on the task. And so that's just a small difference there. Um, another difference is that there's a possibility for anonymity on Discord. Uh, in the Global Authentication Project, we want to know who you are. Uh, so we'd like your real name, to know things about you, to know where you work. Um, and there's always an on-camera meeting um, with me. Uh, but then after that point, uh, people get aliases, and so then no other volunteers or staff know who you are. It's just uh, with me that one time. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the frequently asked questions that I get a lot. Um, and I guess from here, I kind of want to talk about, yeah, what we did in 2022. Uh, so we started up at the end of February uh, last year. Um, I, I joined Bellingcat in yeah the 1st of February. I think we ended up launching um, the Global Authentication Project on the 24th of February. Uh, so our first group uh, was recruited for a project that would monitor Russian troop movement along the border with Ukraine. Uh, and we were actually set to onboard them on the afternoon of the 24th of February. Uh, so when the invasion happened earlier that morning, it actually allowed us to start working on the invasion of Ukraine as quickly as we did. Um, it was just a coincidence that we had scheduled to have it, them onboarded that day, but uh, that's how it started. And so we kind of had planned to do this grand sort of global authentication project launch uh, in March, 
And instead, we just kind of jumped into working on uh, geolocating incidents of uh, harm to civilians in Ukraine, which you can see it's at uh, ukraine.bellingcat.com. Um, so we started out as a group of 10 volunteers, and then that quickly grew to 32, and it's kind of ebbed and flowed uh, since then with the number of active volunteers we have working on that. Um, and we have a quite long uh, wait list of people who've indicated that they're interested in joining. Um, and so we have done, I think at this point, I'll double check what today's total is, but since February 24th, we have geolocated um, the 917 events of harm to civilians. Uh, and so an example of how kind of structured this uh, process is, is that Bellingcat staff go and we find the um, the photos or videos that depicts what appears to be harm to civilians. Uh, we vet it for sort of basic authenticity. Is this Ukraine? Is this 2022? Um, and then it's set out to the Global Authentication Project to geolocate. So they geolocate it and then um, we as Bellycat staff check it, and then it goes onto that map that I just mentioned. And so it, that's a time map. Uh, we used uh, forensic architectures software to create that, so it places these incidents in both space and time. Um, so this was our first project. It's still ongoing, as uh, you know. As long as the uh, war is happening, we will be working on this project, and then this project feeds into some other um, things we have going on at Bellycat as well. So. It's the seed data for our justice and accountability investigations. It's also a basis from where our journalistic investigations come from. So it's really important and it has allowed us to go through such massive amounts of data as we've been able to. Uh, the second project, which I don't think very many people know about, is that we were involved in forensic architecture's investigation on driftbacks in the Aegean Sea. So we had a group about, of about 10 people who were working on geolocating these pictures of people who are of um, irregular migrants in the Aegean Sea uh, off the coast of Turkey and Greece. Um, and so they're usually referred to as pushbacks, but uh, for forensic architecture, they really wanted to show the role that the sea played in this as well with the currents and everything. And so they have a really cool, um, also a similar map that kind of shows everything. But this was a really cool project because the geolocations were literally just, uh, you know, take photos that were taken on a boat in the middle of the sea. And there were just little islands that you could see in the distance. And so it was really incredible to see how our volunteers were able to geolocate these uh, and brought to our attention a lot of tools that hadn't been previously used uh, so much like uh, peak visor, for example. Uh, so that was our second one. It was a short uh, project. I think it lasted two months. And the final project is um, on Forensic Architecture's website. But so we were just one of, I think they had three or four organizations working on that. Uh, the third one we worked on was geolocating incidents um, in the GBAO of Tajikistan, uh, which is a area that uh, holds the like, ethnic uh, minority of the Pamiri people. So it's primarily Pamiris there, and there was violence uh, that occurred in May 2022 uh, there. And so we had a group, again, about around 10 people who worked to kind of chronolocate and geolocate 
these instances. And that was also really important because the internet had been shut off uh, and there wasn't much news getting in or out of uh, Tajikistan at the time. And so we released a database that showed um, yeah, these incidents that we were able to geolocate and also showed ones that we knew were old that were circulating uh, at the time. And so that was used by local groups in order to help with their documentation and corroborate uh, the witness testimonies that they had. Uh, our current project that we're working on alongside Ukraine is also related to Tajikistan. It's uh, looking at the conflict that broke out on the border of Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan in September 2022. And so we're currently looking at that and uh, yeah, trying to chronolocate and geolocate some of these incidences, and hopefully that'll turn into an uh, article in the future. Uh, we're also trying something new right now. So we've recruited a couple people um, with Arabic-speaking uh, capacity, and they're kind of um, serving as like ad hoc uh, volunteers for specific projects. Uh, and so we're trying this out because it's not as structured as we usually have, but uh, we're really, yeah, trying this out to see how that goes, um, rather than having them work on a specific project. Um, and so that's kind of what we've done in 2022. In addition, we've launched our new volunteer uh, platform where everyone is able to do uh, the geolocations in a collaborative fashion. Um, on Ukraine, which is called Atlos. So Miles, who I said hi to earlier, he was one of the people who created it, and that's what we're using. Um, right now we're using it just for Ukraine, but it's really been fantastic to have such a platform that allows people to collaborate, really records everything that, uh, yeah, we're, that is done and that we're working on. And that also allows us to give this sort of structured feedback that I was talking about earlier, where Bellingcat staff can go in and you know make comments and people can flag if they need help and stuff like this. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a really great, um, yeah, I think learning tool, but also collaborative platform. Um, and so, yeah, in 2022, kind of looking back, I think we spent this year figuring a lot of things out, you know, developing po policies, processes, and then testing it out. Uh, and so we did a lot, but I think we plan to increase that I know we had a goal of doing 10 projects this year, uh, so we only did four. And so I think that's also an expectation management uh, thing for us as well. Um, of course, we couldn't have prepared for the, the war, which has taken a lot of our resources, and we will continue working on that uh, as long as the war is going on. Um, and looking to 2023, uh, we just got a new project management system that we've been waiting for in order to do a kind of more proper launch of uh, the global authentication project where people can apply or, or sign up for our mailing list uh, in a way that's more efficient. So we're hoping to have this up and running in the beginning of 2023. Um, and that will just make the, the process of, you know, sig signaling that you're interested in joining GAP or that you, um, you know, want to apply to a specific project much easier. And then it'll also allow us to yeah, stay better in touch in that uh, regard as well. Um, in addition, we're hoping to have a section on the website that's just dedicated to all things uh, Global Authentication Project, where you can see, you know, 
what we're working on, what we've done, um, times we've been in the media, stuff like this. And then that will also host our volunteer blog, which I'm really excited about. We just brought on a volunteer uh, editor who will be helping out with that. And so basically when we're doing these projects and um, you know, someone does a really awesome geolocation and use a new tool or something like this that uh, volunteers would be able to write a short blog post, uh, kind of getting back to uh, kind of what Bellingcat was in the very beginning too, kind of showing how we did something. Uh, and so that's really exciting because yeah, the being volunteers have been so central to Bellingcat since the beginning, you know, we started out as a group of volunteers. And so we really want to keep that, um, that going. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we're expecting in 2023. So look out for a more uh, easy way to apply to be part of GAP. Um, and we'll go from there. Um, trying to see if there's anything else I wanted to hit on. Um, I think that's it. I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Great. Yeah, no, I'm sure we will get lots of questions because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we get lots of questions in the server about people wanting to join the gap. How do I join the gap? Where's the gap? How do I get mm -hmm. there, et cetera? So, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions, feel free to type them into either the Stage Talk chat channel, which is above the Stage Talk on the left side of your screen, or uh, Discord has a new chat option built into the Stage Talk. So you can Type your questions here. I see a couple people typing questions already. I'm going to get going with a question while others think of their questions and type them out, Hannah. And I, this okay. is, a, I'm going to, so here's my first question. And I, it's uh, so broad and vague that I, I don't know if it's a good question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyways. One of the things you just ended off by saying, and you mentioned a couple of other times that, you know, Bellingcat was started by volunteers. Bellingcat was, since the very beginning, a group of people who, in their free time, got together online and they did investigations. Um, and that the Gap wants to continue that tradition, right? Like you, you wanna kind of maintain that spirit, make sure that keeps going. But at the same time, um, there's new processes that have to be added. There's essentially sort of improvements that can be made to the volunteer experience. And you mentioned a couple of them. So I suppose my question is, can you talk about how challenging it is to walk that line between maintaining that spirit of openness and collaboration on the one hand, and also looking to improve processes to make the volunteer experience more sort of formal, more structured, and better really for the volunteer? How, how difficult is it to walk that line? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd say very difficult. Uh, and what what went into this uh, is that, you know, my colleague Charlotte, um, who's our lead for this project, she spent a year running pilot projects uh, with this volunteer program. So to really kind of see what worked, what didn't, how do we keep people engaged? How do we, you know, encourage people to, you know, donate their free time to us uh, while still kind of maintaining this flexibility? And uh, how do we do this in a way that, you know, concretely contributes to our investigations without, um, you know, causing added stress and all of this. And so it's a really a hard balancing game. Um, 
So the reason we've kind of decided for a more yeah structured process is because we realized that people actually liked the structure. Uh, they liked having, you know, knowing that someone is going to get back to them on if their geolocation is correct or not. And if we had, you know, let's say 100 people doing uh, geolocations, just for example, in Discord, we might not be able to get to each of them. And so we wanted to allow people, you know, who are donating their time to us to actually get feedback and, you know, hear if their geolocation was right or not and stuff like this. Um, but, and we also wanted to, you know, give something to the the people who are donating their time to us. So having, um, for example, something that I do every week is I have office hours. Uh, so it's kind of like modeled after an American university system where a professor is available to talk about anything for a certain amount of hours per week. And so I just sit in, uh, in our Gap Discord every uh, Tuesday and wait for questions. So if people have questions, you know, they can come and we can spend time working on it together. If they just want to chat or want to chat about, you know, something totally different, like a job application, you know, that we're there. And we noticed that people really like this, but like uh, in a university, not everyone takes advantage of it. Uh, but just to have, have that as an option. Uh, something else we do is um, it was a bit more sporadic in the beginning. Now it's uh, monthly is that we have someone else from Bellingcat come in and give a training on a specific area. So we've had like Fuka come in and talk about, you know, creating and designing um, creative investigations. We had Hisham, who's our um, head of security, come in and talk about, you know, how to conduct an investigation uh, safely, how to protect yourself online. Uh, next month, we have Charlotte, who's going to be teaching the basics of geolocation. And so We've opted for this like structured approach because then people can kind of rely on, okay, I know once a month uh, there's going to be a um, like a volunteer event that I can go to and learn a new skill. Or, oh, every week if I want to, I can go talk to Hannah about um, this uh, geolocation that I'm struggling with. And so it's been hard to kind of develop the processes that allow for like free flow and creativity. Um, while keeping it structured but i think the main thing is that we're really flexible with feedback and so if something isn't working we're not uh ashamed to change it we're really open to hearing how the volunteer experience is going and how we can improve it and i think that's something we want to maintain uh going forward and in, in allowing this to be you know flexible uh and still structured at the same time yeah, thanks for that, Hannah. And, and you know, you're talking about flexibility there at the end. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most about Bellingcat, about working here, and, and maybe, maybe you, you feel the same way, is, is flexibility in every sense of the word, not just in what kind of project you can pursue or how you want to pursue a project, but also in, as you're suggesting, like developing new ways of doing things. Um, so uh, if anybody is in here and is in the gap, and I see Slow T is in here, um, and, and Miles, I guess, also, right, is, uh, is in the gap in a way. Um, that's really important to us, right? Like the, getting that kind of feedback from people and saying, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a gap volunteer. I've been here for two months. And I don't know, there's a better way to do this thing that you guys are trying to do. And if you suggest that to us and it works, that's amazing because you're helping us out, right? So it's not just, it's not just flexibility and like how you work and, and how, how often you work, but also in like shaping the work that you're doing. So uh, thanks for that answer there. We've got a lot of questions here in the chat, um, Hannah. Uh, so I'm going to read 
want to start going through them one by one. And folks, if you have any questions, feel free to type them out in the stage chat, ch sorry, stage talk chat channel or the stage uh, talk chat. If you have that option available, I see Sarah. I'm talking to Sarah in the moderating channel. Sarah's also one of our moderators. Hi, Sarah. Her Discord doesn't have this chat option, but if yours does have it, type your question in there. One question here from ODSI04. ODSI04 is saying, I applied uh, with generating a URL, but I did not get any feedback. How can I find out the status of the application? So I guess more broadly, I applied to the Gap. I haven't heard back. What's, what's, what's up? Um, okay. Uh, you, so it can be a bit confusing. Um, right now we don't have an ongoing application process. We're not taking applications, but there is a volunteer interest form. So that might be what you have, uh, applied or filled out, um, that we are going to be using for our next uh, round of applications. And also if you have, um, yes, yeah, sent me a DM. Uh, and I didn't see it. I apologize. In the very beginning, we were absolutely flooded with people, uh, you know, who wanted to volunteer and I haven't gotten, been able to get back to everyone. Um, but you can always send us an email at volunteer at bellingcat.com. If you want to, you know, have an update on what's going on, we can check that out for you. And so right now there is essentially a Google form, uh, right Hannah, that has like people's yeah. names and, 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 you know, they've said, Hey, I want to volunteer. And whenever there is a new round of recruitment, you'll go to that Google form or you'll start going, you'll start going through it and picking people, right? No. So what we'll do is that we'll email out all those people who've uh, expressed interest uh -huh. uh, and say, hey, we have an investigation on, let's say, um, Myanmar. We're looking for people who, you know, um, have geolocation skills, um, speak Burmese, or um, have an interest in uh, discovery. Mm -hmm. And then have people apply. And then the new application asks a bit more in-depth questions like, um, you know, where do you, what sort of field do you work in, this sort of stuff. So we get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, and then also the time commitment you can commit at that time. Cause it could be when you uh, filled out the general interest form back in, let's say March, you know, you had, uh, you know, 30 hours, you could commit a week and now you can only commit two. And so we kind of want an updated look at that as well. Uh, mm. And then we go through and we make the selections. Great. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, perfect. Thank you so much. So we've got another question here from Andrew K. Hi, Andrew K. Thank you for your question. Andrew K asks, is it okay to promote the project and volunteer opportunities to colleagues or friends who aren't familiar with Bellingcat, but may be enthusiastic about the work? So people who don't know about Bellingcat, but maybe if they did know, they would say, oh my gosh, I totally want to do that. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think once we get this up on our website, things will be able to be shared a lot more easily. Uh, and once we have a form, you know, that people can go to and apply directly, I think that'll also be a lot easier coming in 2023. Um, but definitely like share far and wide. If you think someone would be interested, uh, do it. We want this to be as like diverse as possible. And that also includes, you know, different sectors, because I think working on investigations, if we have someone, you know, from an engineering background and someone from a legal background and someone, you know, who really likes video games and someone who likes Sudoku and someone, you know, who's a literature professor, if we all get them in a room together, then, uh, 
the types of approaches we have to a certain topic might be totally different. And that can lead to some of the most in interesting uh, approaches mm -hmm. to solving problems. So that's what we really want. So please, when that's uh, easier to share, I ask you to. Cool. Yeah, that's I, I love that. I'm smiling as I as I hear that description of that room full of all kinds of different yeah. sorts of folks, because that's the that's really the dream, right? The dream of Bellingcat is like, let's get yeah. everybody together. And, you know, let's start solving problems. That's so cool. Um, uh, so there you go, Andrew. Tell all your friends and uh, family there um, to, to come join the Gap. Okay, so we got another question here from Server Friend, Snap Fasterly. Hello, Snap Fasterly. Good to see you. Thank you for your question. Snap Fasterly is asking, Hannah, what project management system are you using? You referenced one in your talk there. And uh, so the question is, what is it? Can you say even? Um... I don't know if I can say, but I mean, it's a project management system that the whole of Bellingcat will be going on to. And just to help us manage, you know, um, let's say like who funders are, who've attended our workshops and who are volunteers and uh, or people who are interested in volunteers. People who are actual volunteers won't be in that system because we want to make sure that they have their anonymity. Mm -hmm. um, but basically for us to kind of know who is also, you know, a someone who's donating and who attended a workshop. And that way we can, you know, thank you doubly for supporting us. Or if you've donated, you've attended a workshop and you want to volunteer, that's really awesome. And we want to say, you know, thank you extra. And so that's sort of what we're going to be using the project management system on the, on the gap front for just kind of just that logistical aspect, not any um, sort of uh, actual project the gap will be doing, if that makes sense. This is really top secret stuff because I don't know the name of this. I, I'm, in fact, I'm just finding out right now that we're that we're making this switch. That's cool. That's, that's we just great. got it. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. I, I've also been on vacation most of the week, so maybe <laughs> if it's super recent, I, I wouldn't have found out about it. All right, thank you for that, uh, Hannah. That sounds cool. I'm excited to try out this new uh, system. We got a question here from. It also automate things a bit, which is nice. Oh, nice. Uh, like... Yeah, like answering emails or. Yes, like okay, you will always get a response now. <laughs> nice, great. Um, okay, we got a, another question here from Mighty Rebel, and this uh, I think speaks to the not the previous question, but the previous previous question from Andrew K. And uh, Mighty Rebel says hi. First of all, hi Mighty Rebel. Mighty Rebel is a new member slash user, so welcome to the server. Thank you for coming to the talk. Mighty Rebel asks, will there be an, any opportunities open for training pathways? into entering the gap. For example, people who are neurodivergent, neurodiverse, who don't have any background or knowledge in OSINT, um, uh, can they, f uh, sorry, they can get first steps into uh, BC volunteering. So can, can, will people be receiving any kind of training if they have zero access, um, or sorry, zero knowledge or experience with OSINT? Can there, can there be any kind of a training or will there be any kind of a training for, for, for these sort of folks to join the gap? That's a really good question. Uh, so we have at least, uh, like, say, we let's say we have ten uh, spots open for a project. We always want there to be at least two to three that are available for people who don't have experience. So people who are just really willing to to learn and try to learn this, learn by doing, which I think is the best way to learn open source. And so we will always have that. Um, and then we also have uh, so. I have these um, monthly sort of skill shares from staff where you can gain training that way as well. And you'll get access to the, those recordings when you join uh, GAP. So it's definitely not a barrier if you don't have experience. Um, 
I think lots, I mean, no one is born knowing how to do this. We all learn. Um, and so we want to make sure that that's always um, happening in this project. And we even had, um, yeah, for example, our, we had an intern recently and she wasn't super familiar with geolocation upon learning and through, you know, being part of a gap project, she totally taught herself how to geolocate and now she's an absolute master. Uh, and so it just shows that through practice, you can really, uh, yeah, improve so quickly. I know she beat Giancarlo and I at GeoGuessr last week or this week. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, we will have that. <laughs> we will have that uh, opportunity available. I forgot about the fact that, yeah, she was totally new to geolocation a month yeah. ago. And then on, on Tuesday, we played a game of GeoGuessr and she beat us. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, so yeah. that's, uh, yeah, the gap, the gap will be your education if you, if you, if you get in. Uh, I, I just wanted to add one thing there. One of the, I'm thinking about it, uh, interactions that I've had with, with gap members. And again, thinking about that room that you described earlier, Hannah, the one that had the, the, the literature professor and the bus driver and the student, um, everybody I think has, you, you all have skills. Everybody has skills that you might not realize are applicable to open source research. And I think back to my own, um, introduction to this field, really the only skill that I had at the very beginning when I was just starting out, um, was the ability to like find articles online. Like I could just, I could just Google for information. That was really the only thing that I could put on my resume. Um, when I started doing open source work that I was really, I was good at Google cause I'm a, a, I've been a university student. I, I was just starting my PhD at the, at, at that moment when I started working, volunteering for Bellingcat, all I could do was just like read stuff and, you know, find stuff online and read it and then kind of, you know, organize it into bibliographies basically. Right. So not, you know, you wouldn't think of that as like a, a OSINT skill, if that's what you want to call them, but Hey, that's useful. It could be useful in certain projects. And it certainly was at, at the start of my open source, um, uh, journey. So, uh, all of that is to say, you know, you might think you have no applicable skills to open source work, but you know, if you sit down and you really think about it, you might have more than you think. So thank you there, mighty rebel for that question. And, and Hannah for the answer. Got a, uh, to add on that. Yes. Uh, Tad on that quickly, one of the questions we have in the application that we send out is like, what skills do you have? And I think I specifically wrote, don't tell us what you think we want to hear. Um, like it can be geolocation, but it can also be, you know, you are on a team at school or you uh, do the New York Times crossword puzzle every week or you uh, love to yeah play video games. That's a big one. And so it's really can be anything. Uh, like, I think almost all skills are transferable to this in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So you really don't have to have, like, studied geolocation or any sort of open source verification methods in order to be good at this. So sorry, just to add on what you were saying there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense and, and is hopefully encouraging to people who might be a little bit intimidated. But um, we got a, a, a number of questions from Felix. Felix, thank you for all of your questions. I'm going to pick one right now and then and then you know I'll, I'll keep reading down the list and then if we run out of questions i'll come back to your other questions so felix asked many uh questions the first question that felix asked was how do you decide which items fall into the scope of a project at the gap um which items in that like how do we design an investigation or 
I would say, let's let's say, how do you decide what work to give a gap member? So you have a big project in mind, you have to mm. figure something out. And so how do you how do you divide the work? How do you say this is what we're gonna ask the gap members to do as opposed to this other thing? Okay. Um, I'd say when we have large amounts of data that we it would be quite time consuming for us to go through ourselves or something that we think that a volunteer could really help with. Um, there are things that we wouldn't give uh, GAP members. So like, for example, if there's a really, really graphic video, like that is something we would not give uh, a GAP member to, to work on. Um, but I guess what helps is that per each GAP investigation, we always do an investigation plan where we look through like, okay, what is the ultimate um, output of this project and how can we utilize GAP uh, for it? And we go through and we think about, okay, what are the, uh, what are the outputs? What do we have to put in to get there? Uh, what are the risks associated with it? How do we mitigate these risks? Um, what is the, what can we contribute using open source? Um, and then also acknowledging like whose voices are not heard uh, in this investigation. How do we include them uh, and stuff like this? Um, to date, it's been a lot of geolocation because that's something that um, usually if you have to do a lot of geolocations, it can be very time consuming. And so to have a lot of help with that is super useful. Um, but I think as we expand the program, we want to also expand the types of um, of skills that people would be using. And so it's uh, it's flexible, like my other uh, answers. But yeah, that's kind of how it's been so far. Uh, thanks for that uh, answer there. And um, I, th this is a, a, a question from Wot. I, I can't pronounce this name. I've seen you around the server a lot. Wotek, I think it is, the bear. Um, good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Can you describe any work that Gap have done in Latin America? I think the answer there is none, right, Hannah? Mm -hmm. uh, in a, we did a pilot, pilot project uh -huh. we've done um, with Columbia, I think you were part of that project. Yes, yes. I'm trying to think back. It feels like ages ago, but it would have been about a year ago, I think. We did, we did, we did, did we do that? Did I mean, so I, I remember working with them, but was that a Gap pilot? That was before the Gap launched, right? It was pre-Gap. It was okay. pilot. Uh, so yes. That was, there were, I think, four investigations that were part of the pilot. One was ah, Columbia, yes. one was Cameroon. Yes. Uh, and then there were two others. Mm -hmm. uh, we would love to expand uh, further into Latin America, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, North America, Africa, everywhere. Uh, so that is something we want to do in the coming um, months. Um, but just because this project is so new, we haven't had the chance yet. Yeah, and the one now I remember the uh, the the pre-gap uh, pilot project that we worked on involved mapping police violence in Colombia. And mm -hmm. we did that with uh, one of our long standing partners in Colombia. It's an organization called Cero Setenta. It's 070 is the, the English name, I guess. Uh, but in uh, 070 in Spanish, it's Cero Setenta. And that's uh, the logo okay. of the organization. But anyways, they do really cool work, uh, really important work down there. And um, yeah, we were helping him out with a couple of volunteers. Yes, and I remember now the point of the pilot project was to help out with this uh, project that they were working on mapping police violence in Colombia, but also for us to sort of take notes 
and apply those notes to the gap for for when it launched um so yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah um let me see here we've got some other questions here uh let's see here okay let's go back to another one from felix because we've got another one from andrew k um so let's go to felix here again felix thank you for all of your questions Let's do the second one. How is working with other organizations like the Center for Information Resilience? Um, I suppose we can throw forensic architecture in there. How is, that, how is that work going? What requests do groups like these have? So when groups outside of Bellingcat have approached us for help with, with a project, uh, what are those requests like if they're related to the gap? Yeah, um, so for the Gap, the one partnership we've had so far was, yeah, with Forensic Architecture. Uh, for this one, uh, we're, when we were helping them out on their uh, driftbacks in the AGNC. Uh, and that, what that looks like is, uh, you know, a group will approach us and say, hey, um, we'd like some help working on this sort of thing. Uh, we would assess that, um, you know, do our own um, risk analysis, see if we have the skills in-house to do that and contribute in a in a positive way. And then, yeah, we do a, an MOU, a, I think it's a Marin, memorandum of uh, understanding uh, for how that's going to work. And then, yeah, get to work on that. And so we're looking also in 2023 to do more of these sort of partnerships, collaborations, um, and also with universities as well. We would love to to do that too. So hopefully more coming in 2023. Yeah, I'm thinking now the um, the um, the sister labs to the Human Rights Center at Berkeley. Yeah. There's a sister lab at UCLA and one at UCSC. They do uh, pro like month long projects with their students. It'd be cool to um, yeah to somehow yeah. Um, okay, uh, thanks for that. Um, we got. Let's jump to another question here from. Um, um, let's go to a new person, Machine Gun Willie D. Hello. Uh, thanks for your question. And um, I think maybe you alluded to this earlier, Hannah, maybe there is no answer to this yet, but the question is this, if you can tell us, if you can say, what projects do you plan on working on next year and can or do volunteers suggest topics and events to look into? Um, I don't know if I can say what I'm working on for next year, and that's just because I need to make sure that uh, that's actually happening before I get anyone's hopes up. Um, but I have, off the top of my head, three um, three things that I want to work on so far, um, and I can give you regions, I guess. Uh, something in Southeast Asia, something in North America, and something in South America. Um, and what was the other part of the question? And then uh, do, do GAP members suggest topics oh, for yeah. research, or can they? Uh, they totally can. Uh, they haven't really so much. Um, so we would definitely welcome that, though. Like, um, I would love to hear what other people would like to work on and how um, how they think we can best use our, our skills. That's something we're really open to. Um, something that people have done in the gap is that they've taken, let's say, um, with the example of Ukraine, and they've taken their work there and they've proposed um, like a mini investigation from the work that we've already done uh, that they'd like to turn into a blog post. Mm. And with that, we connect them with our volunteer editor and they work together to try to um, yeah, make that happen. Um, but 
not that many people have suggested an actual investigation topic, but yeah, if you are in the gap and you want to, my DMs are open. Nice. Um, great. Thanks for that. We got another question here. This is a really good one too from Andrew K again. Hi, Andrew. Andrew asks, are volunteer opportunities mainly for open source research or are there opportunities for people to offer their time to the organization in other ways that are not related to open source research? For example, peer-to-peer -peer listening for volunteers who are stressed from work, like a fun chat space that helps researchers take their mind off the work. Um, currently, no, because we do a lot of that um, in-house. So, for example, we have access to trauma support for volunteers if they need it or want it. We have these sort of like we try to have more fun events, too. We just did our holiday uh, online party on Tuesday. Um, but when people approach me with a like creative idea, I would definitely consider it. So, for example, someone emailed me in the beginning of February um, saying that they don't have open source skills, but they want to contribute in one way or another, and that you know they are an editor uh, in, as their day job. And so they just became our volunteer editor for our volunteer blog. Uh, so there's definitely ways to do it. Um, and there's, I'm definitely open to other things. So like this chat space for people to talk to, I think that could also be an interesting idea that I'd consider. And so yeah, if you have ideas like that, feel free to email me at volunteerbillingcat.com because with Discord, I'm much slower at getting back to you. And we also have a volunteer, um, I don't know what their title is, I'm very sorry. But the person who was helping moderator, uh, yeah, no, I didn't know about that. Um, a volunteer uh, Excel um, organizer. I was, I'm really butchering the title. Um, wasn't there? A... I think. <laughs> oh, it's the same person, right? I, Are we talk, uh, we're talking about the same person. Yeah, same person. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's kind of a, our jack of all traits right now. He yes. does methodology stuff, Excel stuff for us, and then it's also uh, serving as our like. Uh, Gap Discord moderator yes. as well. Okay, yeah. But he started out as, I think he came into our radar first as, oh man, this person's really good with Excel sheets and we work yeah. with Excel sheets all the time and maybe they can help us <laughs> clean up our sheets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. And that's something I, I guess I should also point out is that we've now hired two people who've been uh, volunteers. So uh, this person who's doing our methodology stuff, he yeah came on our radar because he was a volunteer and was super good at uh, Excel. And so he's a contractor for us now. Mm. And then another person uh, we hired, uh, he had worked on our Ukraine project. Um, and now he's he's also staff. Mm. And so we don't want it to be like it's a, a gap to staff pipeline. But uh, I mean, I think every time there is an interaction with us, whether it be through the Discord or through Gap or, you know, um, coming up to us when we're speaking uh, somewhere, then there's always like a relationship that start to be, starts to be built that way too. Yeah, and I remember when I was in high school um, and then I guess in undergrad, everybody used to tell me, if you want to get a job somewhere, just volunteer, like volunteer there first, uh, <laughs> which isn't what, I mean, explicitly you just said, that's not, you know, we're, that's not really the, the point of yeah, the gap is that. <laughs> but, yeah. but it is true though, uh, that you can, you know, if you use this, if you, if you end up volunteering at the gap, you can have that experience on your resume. And, and if you're applying to work at, yeah. a, I don't know, the New York times or something, uh, you, you know, that that's experience that you take with you, uh, wherever you go. Right. So um, yeah, yeah, we've been uh, references for people for uh, when they apply for other open source uh, jobs as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's right. I have been also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like anything else, it's like it's like joining. Uh, I don't know. Uh, pick up basketball league or something, right? You network, you meet people there, and then those people yeah. kind of, yeah, I don't know, they're part of your life and they can help you out uh, with things like being a reference for a job application. So that's that's what this is. The gap is just like a pick up basketball game league. Is what I I'm love saying. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we got a question here from. Um, uh, we got a couple questions here. Sorry, I'm reading. I'm reading them, trying to filter them. Um, yeah. So here's a good one. Uh, uh, you've mentioned this er earlier, Hannah, but maybe you can um, elaborate on this. H. Braun is asking: Is there a specific? Is, I'm sorry. Is there a special group that analyzes photos and video material that show heavily graphic content? Uh, I understand that not everyone can handle that. So, in other words, how does the Gap work with uh, very graphic content? For so, we have a really um, kind of robust psychosocial security um, guidelines for joining Gap. So, this is something really important to us. I think everyone at Bellingcat. But uh, yeah, when we were kind of designing our onboarding procedure, we went through and kind of explained, you know, what uh, what is vicarious trauma? How do you get it? How do you combat it? Uh, how can we together work to combat it? How do we recognize signs of it and stuff like this? Um, and so we have things like trauma support uh, through Trauma Treatments International, one of our partners uh, for GAP members who need it. But that being said, we don't give any really horribly graphic things to volunteers at all. Uh, that's just done by staff, and that's because we're... I mean, I think we have more experience with, um, yeah, with seeing this sort of stuff. Also, we have a lots of training in it. We have access to counselors. And uh, we're, yeah, we're getting paid to do this work. And we wouldn't ask a, a volunteer who's donating their time to, to spend it looking at awful graphic footage. Um, if there is anything that is graphic, um, like let's say there's a video and there's some blood on the sidewalk or something, um, then it's always marked as graphic and in our new program uh, or um, platform atlas they did a wonderful job in designing it in a way that had um, combating vicarious trauma in mind so things are default um, black and white you have to click through to see things they're marked uh, so that you would never accidentally come across anything graphic and that's something that's super super important to us and so i guess to answer your question the special group of people who are looking at very graphic stuff would be Bellingcat staff, uh, not volunteers. And if a volunteer wanted to look at graphic stuff, it would never be super graphic. Um, and they would know that it's marked in like three different ways that this is graphic. And we ask them actually not to look at it because we don't want uh, anyone to have, you know, adverse uh, effects through volunteering. Yeah, I remember um, when I when I was writing, I wrote a, an article recently on maintaining mental hygiene as you're doing this kind of work. And I I asked uh, a couple of people. I don't want to dox them because I can't remember if I used their real names or their or their. Um, uh, anyway, some there were Gap members, um, and all three of them said to me that it was really important for them to um, know that it, you know they were volunteering their time. 
and their energy. And if they ever came across something that they thought would be distressing to them, they, they knew they could just not do it. Like there was no pressure at all yeah. for them to look at stuff that was going to ruin their day or their week. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And also I just wanted to add like that, that, that point that you made there, Hannah, when we ask people not to look at stuff, we do that ourselves too, right? Like I, I know in the Slack, yeah. I think we're getting better at it now. Um, but in the Slack, whenever, I mean, this doesn't happen too often, thankfully, but whenever there is a video that comes out that's like particularly graphic, we'll flag it internally. We'll say, hey, um, we need to download this. By the way, don't watch it. It's extremely graphic. You don't need to, yeah. like, you don't need to see it. And I think I, 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 that's something that we've only kind of started doing, I think, relatively recently. Like, I don't know, within the last, I don't know, year and a half, maybe. Um, and so the same thing goes for the gap, right? I guess, uh, you know, if you know that something's going around, that's really, really not good. Uh, you just sort of warn people like, Hey, if you see a link that's talking about this, don't click on it. Uh, the server moderators do that as well. Tiharinga's not here, but he's, he does, he's done it a couple of times. Sarah and Subtle Life will know he'll post in the moderator chat and he'll say something like, Hey, just so you know, there's something really bad coming out of uh, Ethiopia, for example. So if you see anybody linking to a video, like don't, you know, just don't click on it. Um, yeah. So um, let's see here. We've got about five minutes left. Let's do one more question. And then um, if it is, so can I say this, Hannah, can I say this? Can I invite people who, whose questions I didn't get to, to email you or DM you, and then you'll answer the question. Is that are you comfortable? I guess I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's do let's do email because you I, could say you no. have a better chance of me responding. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. No, sorry. no, no. Totally yeah. email. Okay. <laughs> um, I will be on vacation, so you might get a response in 2023, but uh, I will eventually get back to you. But that's yeah, volunteer at bellingcat.com. Great. And so the last question is uh, from ODSI4. Um, they're asking, so what about local investigations or um, is Bellingcat and I guess the work of the gap only for like big worldwide issues or can there be room for local investigations? There's definitely room for local investigations. I think this is something we've been talking about as a organization a lot is that we want to, uh, well, I mean, first off, encourage people that, you know, you can also take these, these skills and take it into your local context and, and use them. Um, but also for us to do that uh, as well. Um, there totally would be room. I think it would have to, um, yeah, run it, uh, be proposed, you know, and have, um, an impact that we're looking to generate. But I think that's definitely not with, uh, not out of the realm of possibilities. And also I would encourage, um, if you're interested in doing, you know, open source investigations and you don't know where to start, I think Giancarlo always recommends this, but it's like, you know, starting your own blog on, uh, on this is a really good way to yeah practice your skills and stuff and that could also be a way to kind of bring your uh bring investigations to the local level but it doesn't need to be um massive but because we do have you know limited resources uh we're going to allocate them to the places we think we're going to have the most impact and so while i say it's not without the realm not outside the realm of possibilities it uh might not be for now, but you know, gap is growing and we'll see what happens uh, as we continue to expand. Yeah. And if you're looking for uh, a cool example of, um, open source work done at the local level, Brenna Smith, who was a guest 
uh, here in the server a couple of weeks ago, and you can listen to her interview on our SoundCloud page, which is where this talk is going to be up in a, in a couple of days. Brenna used to work with Bellingcat. She was a contributor to Bellingcat for a while. Um, and then she was a fellow at the New York Times. And now she's working at the Baltimore Banner. And she's working on local stories, totally uh, uh, using the open source angle. Her name is Brenna Smith. And uh, she co-authored an article recently within the last couple of weeks. And it was looking at how far-right groups were uh, encouraging each. Uh, it was particularly the Patriot Front. Was, was encouraging his members to post, like put stickers around Maryland. And then I think they went out and they like counted all the stickers that they found and they went into Telegram channels. Cool. And it was a really cool uh, example of like, hey, you know, here's like all this open source research knowledge that Brenna and her colleagues, you know, have accumulated and Brenna personally has accumulated. But let's look at what's happening like right here on the street in Baltimore. Um, so yes, there's definitely, as you're saying, uh, Hannah, and to answer the question, there are lots of room for local stuff. That's like the final frontier of open source research, I feel like, mm -hmm. is, the, is like, is taking, okay, you know, you use this to like find out the identities of Russian spies. Now use it to like find out who's messing up things at the local city council or something, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like that's the, the final frontier. So, um, uh, okay, we're, we're just about at time here. So, uh, Hannah, thank you so much for taking... Uh, the time to talk to us. You're not. You weren't on vacation today, right? Or you're you're working today. No, last day before vacation. Oh, so excellent. Right in time. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me, and thank you everyone for your questions. I hope uh, we made things a bit clearer about uh, about the global authentication project, and looking forward to seeing you in the new year. Thank you for listening to the stage talk. If you'd like to catch a stage talk live and ask the guest questions, join the Bellingcat Discord server by visiting www.discord.gg forward slash Bellingcat. The music you've heard is titled 1983 by Ben Elson and is courtesy of Epidemic Sound.